You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. Satan, your kingdom must come down. Satan, your kingdom must come down. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Satan, your kingdom must come down. All right, everybody, that is the Blind Revelators. Uh, my name is Danny Anderson, as usual, coming at to you today, uh, truly live in the uh, the Inferno Studios here at Mount Aloysius College, where I work teaching English usually. Today, I'm joined by, uh, once again on the show, by Rob Osborne, my good friend, and uh, happens to be my pastor. And so, uh, Rob, how's it going today? It's great, Danny. Thanks for having me. This is great. Uh, I'm glad to have you. I love uh, the studio, too, by the way. it's uh... <laughs> Yeah, we're going to set some pictures up uh, sometime and put them up the website and, uh, I don't know, just get, maybe I'll do a Facebook Live video or something, take you on a tour of the, of the studios. It's nice. Yeah, so go to Facebook and like the page if you haven't. I made a big deal about that last week, and I got like three or four more likes on the page. So uh, Facebook's algorithm is doing kinds of screwy things, and so I think we have to be a lot more present there, people. Mm. Uh, so And today's a good opportunity to do that. Rob and I are going to talk about this essay that came out this week that um, I found like super interesting. <laughs> so I shared it on social media and I couldn't get it out of my head. And so I decided to uh, call on Rob to help me uh, sort of unpack this thing. And uh, we'll get into that in one second. But um, before we do start talking about this essay, once again, I want to remind you that uh, to go on our Facebook page, and I put a, a link up to it, there's a, a conference we're holding here at Mount Aloysius College in the fall, uh, a teach a teaching conference. And so I know a lot of people who listen to the show are in education. Uh, I really think it's a great opportunity to get a bunch of cool people together. So if you're interested, go to the website, you'll find the link to it uh, there. And uh, think about registering for the conference, come in here meeting me, I'll be there. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, in the meantime, uh, this essay is called Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, A Scandal of the Self. And it was written by Martin Wendell Jones. It was, it came out, I guess, on March 2nd. I guess it's a couple weeks old now. Um, but it was published by the Weekly Standard. And somehow this came across my, uh, whatever, my visor. Yeah. <laughs> and I decided, uh, I just couldn't get it out of my head. Uh, because it introduces a term that's utterly new to me uh, in religious studies, and, and it seems so familiar that I can't believe I've never heard of it before, uh, enthusiastic religion. And I want to get into that a little bit. Um, but Rob and I, you, we both kind of grew up Nazarene and uh, in these low church evangelical circles. So Jim and Fam Tammy Faye were sort of big figures for us. What are your sort of memories or whatever? Yeah, well, I mean, this is right in our sort of wheelhouse with the 70s and 80s, uh, growing up in, in a churched era, or, you know, era of our lives, where for us, if, speaking of just me and my experience as limited uh, as it is, they Jim and Tam were kind of the, I don't know, they were kind of a, a spoof, really. I mean, more than, more than taken too seriously, I think. <laughs> I didn't really know anybody that would like quote him or say, Hey, I saw it without some 
you know, sort of laugh about it, you know, and, and, and different than maybe some of the other bigger known uh, people at the time. But the Martin Jones does, does a terrific job of telling the story of how impactful this is yet today as, as uh, sort of our mythology, you know, of, of our past a little bit. So yeah, as sort of evangelicals without a strong liturgical tradition. Right. Right. And I think that's part of what goes in to the, uh, the whole enthusiastic religion thing. It's a, an, almost an outcome mm-hmm. of that. And, and we'll get into the, I guess the, whatever details of that, uh, soon enough. But just going back to Jim and Tammy Faye, like, I do remember, like, laughing at them a lot. Like, right. Tammy Faye would cry. And that was sort of like, there were probably Saturday Night Live skits about this. Yeah. I, I'm sure that that, uh, is part of the <laughs> cultural memory we have of them. Yeah. Um, but so she was kind of, they were both kind of ridiculous. And yet in my tradition, it was like, I, in my, whatever church I grew up in, people didn't, scoff at them and they weren't like apostate or anything like that they were part of the christian media sphere yeah um and maybe may- just at one end of the spectrum you know a little bit or, yeah yeah like the talk show spectrum of it right yeah. and so like they were kind of almost comic relief a little bit mm. but still taken like somewhat seriously and mm. i mean and obviously they ended up creating that giant oh what was the name of their amusement park uh <laughs> yeah heritage something yes yeah, yeah heritage usa yeah uh they uh, ended up conveying that into this giant sort of enterprise. And so it wasn't just my little local church that while, yes, they were sort of objects of amusement, I don't think they were ever objects of scorn. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe this is because they were kind of the end of the televangelist era. Um, It seems to me, and this is my own kind of personal recollection and narrative that after this moment with the, the, the Baker scandals, the Jimmy Swaggart scandals, all Oral Roberts was at him asking for money or God was going to kill You're him. Gonna die, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> like all yeah. of these things were happening that that's kind of what ruined televangelism, uh, for maybe regular evangelicals. Okay. I would say, yeah. Um, and yeah. so at the time it didn't seem all that odd. I mean, mm. it seems odd now, but I, I don't yeah. know that it seemed as odd then. And in fact, we had, I grew up, you know, in Akron, Ohio. And there was a guy named Ernest Angley. Oh, yeah. Do you remember Ernest? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he yeah. was practically my neighbor. Uh, he lived like just up the road from me. Um, and didn't he ended up buying Rex Humbard's old ministry, I think. Mm. Um, and it is, I, I mean, he's still like at it. Like, mm. I mean, the guy's got to be 150 years old at this point, but he's still like doing what he does with the healing ministries and going to Africa and, and doing revivals and stuff out there. But I, I, what I remember about him was just the weird theatricality. Mm. Right. And I think that that's the strongest link to the bakers was this yeah. kind of, there's a theatrical form of, of, uh, of, of Christianity. Right. Here. The odd, the, 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 I mean, you've hit on several surreal is probably the only other, other descriptor that I would throw in there and reading through this, there were elements of the Baker story that I either didn't know about or had forgotten just how strange it all got, like both with <laughs> what they were doing uh, through their TV show, the amusement park. And they have, they have ties, which I didn't realize with both Jan and uh, Paul and Jan Crouch and also with, uh, you know, uh, other, other entities in that sort of uh, soil, you know, they, they, they came out of all of that, uh, which is, you know, uh, quite a cast. I mean, just, just a cast of strange people. If like Fellini were to make an evangelical movie, I mean, I think he would, he would have cast the bakers, you know what I mean? Easily. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah. It, they're such a strange, uh, uh-huh. you know, amalgam of, of humanity up there doing very strange things. And, and we'll talk about how, what they were doing actually draws on, 
a quite rich tradition uh, sure. uh, that goes back centuries into the 17th and 18th century, uh, which I I just found fascinating. Once again, I would just uh, if you want to if you haven't read the essay yet, go back and take a, a quick read of it. It's oh, a couple thousand words. It was, oh, I don't know, ten or fifteen pages long, and um, once you print it out, at least, and uh, uh, it's on the Weekly Standard. And I will certainly put a link to that on the show notes for this. If you go to sectarianreviewpodcast.com, you can find all the show notes, and uh, and we'll kind of. Uh, pick up from there when you come back. But uh, for those of you who are just uh, sticking around and listening, let's uh, sort of talk a little bit, Rob, about what we mean by um, religious enthusiasm. Mm. Um, do, you, uh, do you want me to just sort of define it? Yeah, that um, would be helpful. I, one of the things early on I found is interesting when you know the article mentions they were itinerant Pentecostal healing uh, type pastors or, or ministers. And, and I was trying to think of like, where has that gone? Well, like, I mean, I like whether it's Benny Hen or, or any, or any sort of ministry that's built on that. And that's uh, sort of archetypal, I guess, to eventual scandal or it going off the rails. And maybe that's why we're not entrusted with that level of uh, opportunity within, within ministry today, whereas Jesus was able to handle it, you know, and was able to, and, and not need isn't the right word, but in a compressed timeline, able to garner a lot of attention in as an itinerant preacher through, through an obvious intangible healing. And then, then that gave him a platform to share the gospel. Whereas, and, and that's a defense people would make. Well, this is biblical. We're doing this healing or, or, or whatever. Well, it's biblical in the sense of, of contextually it was needed or necessary. And now you don't see it much and when it is entrusted to somebody it nearly always is is doomed right? yeah it, it becomes like the domain of charlatans um, exactly. almost by default right? it's too much power i think you know because we inevitably as much as somebody would be dismissive of it being about their ability we would deify them i think just as a nature of it being so special you know what i mean so yeah so i think that that put them in, in the i guess in the inevitable track of being a scandal at some point i think <laughs> In some ways, yeah, it's so. almost genetically yeah. predetermined. <laughs> that's right. Genetic yeah. Calvinism. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Predestination. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They could not avoid this. Yeah. This was irresistible failure. Yeah. yeah right. And I get. I get. I want to say. I'm not. This is not Rob. This is me. Yeah. Um. I'm not speaking for him. I. If you listen to the show, you know, long enough, know that I have very kind of confused feelings about <laughs> uh, evangelicalism. I no longer, like for many years, I've never really identified as evangelical. Um, and yet I go to a church in which a lot of people do, right? That mm. term doesn't isn't soiled for them. For me, it I mean, I've said it before, it equates to uh, like some theocratic libertarian political philosophy, mm. okay? And so I don't, uh, I, I've kind of left that label behind, and yet I still will associate with people who haven't, right? And so I, I, I'm not an ex-evangelical uh, at all. Right. I, I'm still, I think, within orthodoxy. I taught Sunday school the other day, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Ended <laughs> so, well, yeah. And so, you know. uh, yeah, well, yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't hear out of my right ear, and I didn't have my bifocals, so I couldn't see anything and yeah. so yeah, yeah i did great though um, <laughs> but uh so that is sort of my own religious tradition and if i were to try and define myself in terms of what tradition i actually belong in i'm still i have no idea it's probably some cross between catholicism and anabaptism like mm. I, if, if such a thing exists but yeah. but yeah i so this is me coming from kind of insider outsider position on the whole evangelical project, right? Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's why this term of um, enthusiastic religion 
a religious enthusiasm kind of interchangeably used there um, speaks to me. So, cause it identifies something that I didn't ever have word. I never had words to describe. Right. Mm. So, um, but that's out of the way and Rob can be whatever he wants to be. This is, that is no <laughs> statement on him. And so, um, so the article is really like not only entertaining, but educational. <laughs> and so I learned a lot by reading it. Um, he goes all the way into Jonathan Edwards and, uh, Wesley, and, yeah. and beyond. It's just, it's yeah, really, Richfield. it's really rich and really dense and, and, uh, not dense. It's really entertaining to read, but it's really, uh, dense with great information and very clearly stated. I just want to quote from a couple of passages to just sort of set our terms out in front of us. A post-Reformation phenomenon in religious culture referred to as religious enthusiasm in the combative literature, literature of the 17th and 18th centuries in Europe came to have an enormous influence on American Christianity. For religious enthusiasts, the doctrines and traditions of Christianity are sometimes less important than individual intuition and personal experience. A grasp of the main themes of American religious enthusiasm as it developed historically will help to shed light on the particular appeal of the bakers as well as the appeal of those who have come after him. So that's, he's sort of setting them up in this big context. We think of the bakers as being just this child of a weird moment in the eighties, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not, it's really, it's, a cog, right? it's, a, it's part of this bigger historical process. And, um, uh, he, the uh, the author of this article quotes uh, Monsignor Ronald Knox as defining uh, religious enthusiasm in that it lies on direct personal access to the author of our salvation with little of intellectual background or of liturgical expression. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's a, um, the basis upon which everything else um, derives from it. And what you get instead is just this sort of performance of passion right uh yeah. for for the gospel and i feel like this definition and this kind of uh defining this as a, a distinct tradition really i think when a lot of people complain about evangelicals i really think what they're complaining about is either the political stuff um but if you're pl- if you're complaining theologically about evangelicals it's really this uh, that mm. you're complaining about and, and and i wonder if this might help nuance our conversation about them or not mm-hmm. but um go ahead yeah to that end i think I, recently richard rohr uh, you know was talking about a franciscan guy uh, just how within the protestant tradition you know we hand the bible off to people very early uh, in fact, we almost throw our chests out that, you know, oh, everyone gets a Bible in Sunday school or, or whatever, and, and, and we're free, you know, to, to enter into the stream of what it is, really, as, as he would say, w- without knowing how to think or without knowing philosophy or having any structure or liturgy, we're just handed over this. And, and given that sort of free range to sort of make conclusions and everything's validated by experience and, and, and just our own whim, whereas, uh, you know, he would say, you know, it, it, it bears mentioning that, you know, you should enter the stream with some borders, you know, so to speak, because uh, what, what ends up happening out of that, I think, is, is what we're seeing played out here, a little bit of enthusiasm and craziness, I guess. You know. And something that's really marketable within any ch- a chosen medium, right? And oh, so, sure. And the yeah. medium of television, I mean, you, you're entering into this kind of like zoo, right? You know, because yeah. <laughs> you want viewers. It's the equivalent of spectacle, clicks. right? Spectacle, yeah. yeah. And so the the bakers were astonishingly good um, at at being spectacular in yeah. that way on screen. You, you, there's a, a moment from the essay that you thought was really funny. Yeah, this it's, is it's quite, very improvised, right? Yeah, everything is so improvised that that they would actually. Uh, 
folks that were working in the ministry would find out what the ministry was doing by watching the show. Like they, everybody had their own TV because they never knew when Jim was going to say, oh, coming up, we're going to do this from now on. And, and they would say, oh, okay, that's the direction we're going. And Tammy Faye did an entire episode, I guess, on a merry-go-round. And there was a somebody somebody on, on set that actually was wearing a dog costume and got ill inside the star while on the merry-go-round, not having a point of reference. Which, I mean, that, that just kind of gives you how surreal it got. Like that, I mean, you can't even describe. And we've done some weird things at VBS, but nothing, nothing close to that. You know, close to that. The vomit doesn't usually come because of merry-go-rounds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Other stuff. My my preaching. No, no. Yeah. The Kool Aid. You know that that sugar water. Yeah, Yeah. the sugar water. Yeah. Um, But. uh. Yeah, I know. You got to watch saying Kool Aid on religious circles. Yeah, you, know, you do. Bad things can happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, the idea though is this is like the Springer show, right? Um, yeah. And and it's not based on any kind of serious Bible study, right? Mm. That way, there would be it would be predictable. There would be you know liturgical plans, and so. Yeah. But that wouldn't play very well on television either, right? And that's sort of the dilemma that we find ourselves in. Yeah. I mean, as you build an audience, and I think this is true for the megachurch today, as you build an audience on spectacle, spectacle, spectacle can take the reins. You know, in other words, you've got to trump what you did, no pun intended, what you did last <laughs> week, you know, to, to, to keep the people that are engaged re-engaged. And, uh, you know, if that's what attracts them, that's what, that's what you're going to die on, too, you know. I, not to make too much of your pun, though. I mean, I think that's some of Trump's problem, though, is that he has yeah. hooked a, an audience with his improvisational skill, mm-hmm. right? And the only way he can – I mean, he's got to keep amping that up. And, that, yeah. and then the statements become more and more ridiculous and yeah. more and more problematic, perhaps self-incriminating at times, right? The kids today call that trolling. You know, you're trolling. <laughs> you know, you're just trying to instigate, you know. Yeah. Crowd. Yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah, I wrote something recently. Hopefully it's going to come out. Uh, if it does, I'll put it on the Facebook page, I guess, about our current Twitter environment and, and mm. the way it's kind of just designed to be hyperbolic and, and create this sort of cycle of escalating. <laughs> That's know? exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and our communication has devolved into that, unfortunately, even because that's what you're competing against. Any communicator, I mean, you as a professor, myself as a pastor, as a, a person who preaches to a group of folks on a regular basis, in some ways you're competing with that, whether yeah. you realize it or not. And I think all, you know, all of us subconsciously realize that, you know, we have to keep the ball mm. moving down the field. And, and I think that very often the deep truths of scripture are not are not revealed that way and they're not they're not easily sewn up uh but you know that you know that that's just the nature of uh of the beast i guess yeah they're not like they're not clickbait right exactly yeah (laughs) some level yeah yeah. um you know and now that you said that I, i really do i wonder if one of the reasons that i have kind of a fascination with uh jim and tammy Faye is that i i wonder how much of their approach i share i feel like i'm a quite improvisational teacher i prepare for class far less than i did at the beginning i found Mm. myself not teaching very well if i was going off the script and so i would try to leave a little bit more room for improvisation and Mm -hmm. more and more room and and, you know by the 25th time i've taught (laughs) freshman composition i don't even know what i'm doing 10 minutes before class sometimes um not really that's not really true but um but i do feel like that is my strength sort of as a teacher but i also realize there's a trap with that in that it can be too much about evaluating the success of my teaching through the per, the reaction that I'm getting 
um, from the audience in terms of entertainment from my students, sure. right? Yeah. And and I feel like that is something I have to really kind of keep in check. Hmm. Uh, and and I wonder if maybe Jim's problem is that he's just never able to keep that in check, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it was given a really long leash, I think. Yeah, and and contrast that, if you will, from our our ultimate example in Christ. Christ constantly disappointed people. I mean, people that were baited into believing he was one thing based upon something he most recently mm. did, and he said, "Oh, here's this grand this great audience. I'm." going to leave this audience in Capernaum and go somewhere where nothing's going on. You know, there, there's this routine really with him of, of constantly uh, disabling what, what what people were ambitious to get next. And and we don't do that in our churches. We don't do that as pastors. I mean, that's suicide. I mean, to do that is you're, you're, you're you know, you're, you're shifting the focus and the target to something else in the next Sunday. That's that's tough to do because it, it plays with our ego, I think, you know, which is always, um, you know, the, re- the need to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it pushes against market, you know, idea, like, you know, the idea right. of, um, of sort of audience. When we talk about seeker-centered uh, church. Yeah. Essentially, we're talking about marketing here, right? I mean, we're talking about yeah. uh, selling a product that people are attracted enough to come see, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not, I mean, I'm not saying that that's the overt idea, but underneath that, it's essentially the same thing. Beneath the layer, sure, yeah. I mean, because our metrics are success, and I think for Jim and Tammy at the time, in, in a, it's almost a way on steroids, if you will, they, they're, they're, their litmus or their metric for success was bigger. It was numbers. Whereas, you know, you see both fo- folks throughout scripture that are faithful to God where it was always decline, you know, I mean, whether it's Isaiah, whether it's Jeremiah, whether it's John the Baptist. I mean, you look at his arc of ministry, he had this high point and then everything and he's beheaded by the end of it. You know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, that's the role of every pastor. I'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, I've seen my Zenith and now I'll go to my destruction, I guess. Yeah. I know you haven't seen the dark Knight yet, right? Um, uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, it's, it's we a, watched mid- you watch the first one but yeah it's a dvd on my counter (laughs) i think harvey dent says you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain right which is exactly what happens so yeah so yeah Yeah. kind of what you're saying (laughs) yeah and 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 with baker and not to steal the thunder from the end but is in his re-emergence that that is trying to create again this audience of growth and this audience of because it validates what he's doing if it's bigger and growing whereas that's not ever the litmus test within scripture that if it's yeah. bigger and it's growing that validates it if it is you know so there's a, there's so many problems with that type of religion and we see it in different manifestations today and here's where um, the idea that uh, Martin Jones Martin Wendell Jones here is uh, so graciously bestowed me with this idea of enthusiastic religion mm-hmm. um, I, I, f- I see a real interesting intersection here with um, something I read in Mark Knoll's book Scandal of the Evangelical Mind um, listeners if you go back several months now through the archives there's an episode we did about that book. Uh, it's a great book, still really relevant, and really I think goes a lot, a long ways towards describing not just evangelicals, but our general sort of mainstream liberal mind. And so, um, but one of the ideas that uh, in the kind of emergence of evangelicalism that Noel describes is the idea that since churches are no longer are not in America are not like um, you're not assigned parishioners by some overarching authority, right? Yeah. People aren't like assigned what parish to attend. Right. Most of them, right? Yes. Um, these new churches, these new sort of uh, quasi or, you know, proto-evangelical churches um, began being built 
on kind of like marketing, right? On, on you were a good preacher. And so you would sort of attract an audience in that mm-hmm. way. It's very much like our sort of seeker centered, you know, our approaches to, uh, to, uh, building a church, uh, congregation. Um, that's really how it developed. The successful churches were successful because of their charisma, right? They're savvy, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this whole idea of re- religious enthusiasm would be a much more charismatic, uh, a, a church to attend right mm-hmm. and and you can see how that can grow and i i can see how there's this real interesting intersection for me between this idea of uh, religious enthusiasm and the uh the development of the evangelical church in america mm-hmm. through this kind of largely market force uh system uh rather than this hierarchical approach of the old um, established church. Yeah, and I guess would you say then it's no irony or no coincidence that TV was the was the medium of choice. I mean, yeah. it was it was the least path of resistance to get to affirming something by popularity, right? Absolutely, right. And it ha- it come it develops. I mean, new media develop out of old media, mm-hmm. right? There's this process called remediation right. uh, for all you nerds out there. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, the, a new medium kind of adopts established practices of old media and just remediates it. Right. And Mm. so a lot of the, um, your TV evangelism has its roots in radio preachers, right? There's this real rich tradition, which we've talked about before. If you go back to our episode on chick tracks, I think I I play a clip from someone who was very inspirational to Jack trick, Jack, Jack chick, excuse me. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and there's a real, Oh gosh, it's like a spectacle to even those radio programs at that time. There's yeah. a, a real drama to the voices, uh, and, and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think that, um, Jim and Tammy Faye's genius is really in identifying a medium that's just perfect for the spectacle mm-hmm. of yeah. their version of enthusiastic religion. Um, yeah. In, in what way, and certainly I don't want to sully the name of, of, of uh, Billy Graham, you know, just in his recent passing, but in what way were, do you think his uh, crusades where the final spectacle that I remember so vividly was the people pouring into the aisles at the close for decisions, you know, walking the sawdust mm. trail into the, to the altar, there's this sort of like grand finale kind of aspect to that, which was, which was spectacle. And, and what it communicated was, you know, this is not only the right thing, it's the successful thing. Yeah. Uh, to do. I mean, uh, is there any parallel? I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to draw him into the same same scope of, of these people that we're mentioning. But he, he seems to be. I, yeah, he's an interesting figure. And on it, I have to say, I always knew about Billy Graham. Like, I never watched a sermon. I never like really? listened to a sermon. Yeah. Everyone always, I think, just respected him by reputation in my circles. But we never went to any of the uh what, what did he call them? Well, crusades. Uh, crusades. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, that's yeah. unfortunate name well, at this point. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. but you yeah. know, back then, I, you yeah. know, and we can make too much of terms, you know. Yeah. Uh, and definitely I'm not going to hold someone out from another time responsible for our current wokeness. Yeah. Right? Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's way too much of that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I never went. I mean, this just was not part of my, I mean, I have no hmm. emotional attachment to Billy Graham, right? I, other than respecting his lo- longevity of his career and the fact that everyone respected him. I just and sort scandal of. Scandal free. Yeah. Yeah, total, almost totally scandal free, with uh, with the exception of the Nixon tapes, right? Mm. Um, uh, well, maybe probably more than that, but um, th- that's what I'm aware of, at least. Um, sure, yeah. But yeah, he does seem to like hover above that fray, right? He's I wouldn't consider Billy Graham a televangelist, you yeah. know, even though he was on television doing evangelism, and so there's something that he was doing that was different, and 
I don't know what that is. I mean, obviously some of it is he's not on a Johnny Carson set with, I think they talk about Larry Flint coming on the show. And, and yeah, the like, list of people. I Actually, when I was listening, my mind kind of drifted. I was reading down that list of folks. And I had to circle back. Were these people on the show? Yeah, Larry Flint. There was another one. Ronald Reagan, which, you know. Eldridge Cleaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was bizarre. It's, I mean, it's, just Yeah, again, go back and read this essay. It's it's spectacular. It's a really, really good essay. Yeah. Um, and very, like, enlightening for me. Uh, but, yeah, Billy Graham never did anything like that, right? He, yeah. Um, and so he was preaching in front of big audiences and and to make the audiences bigger, they were televised. Right. And I think that's as close as you can associate him with the whole televangelist thing. So his Um, intersection, I mean, his intersection with a mass sort of market type situation was more infrequent. Therefore there was not the familiarity and familiarity breeds contempt. And so (laughs) these folks were on the air every week trying to manufacture some, some spectacle. And so that, that puts them in the, in the realm of like, Oh, they're scoffable at that point. Whereas, you know, and plus I think you have to add this. I would, cause I don't know. I get funny about that stuff, but Billy Graham never really seemed to talk about money much. Like the, the, the few times that, you know, I've seen him, I know they had to raise money to, you know, defray the cost or whatever, but you know, it was never with, with them, with all them right down the row. Oral Roberts, you're, you're aware of the money, Jimmy Swaggart and all of them. There was, there was constantly, even when there was money in the till, as this article points out for Baker, he was still saying like, it's over if I don't get whatever. <laughs> and, and he immediately takes, I think, ministry money and buys a yacht or something. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that does seem to be the big uh, downfall reputation wise yeah. for all these televangelists is we immediately associate them for, I mean, there are jokes in every movie about right. this. Right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And so, yeah, Billy Graham, it was, uh, he was more like the old revival speaker just mm. on a bigger stage. Mm. I feel like it's a, a slightly different thing though, probably emerging from the same, Soup, right? <laughs> oh, the revivalism. Absolutely. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, certainly as a Southerner. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, sure. And, and there is a passing reference to Billy Graham in here. And apparently Jim Baker built a brick by brick reconstructed Billy Graham's childhood home yeah. in yeah. Heritage USA, which is really – I. I my rhetorical mind is spinning just thinking about deconstructing that act, right? There's some sort of mythologization, mythologization or whatever that word yeah. would be uh, of Billy Graham as – as a symbol of Christianity. And I can't imagine Billy Graham caring enough about his childhood home to do that himself kind of, you know? And yeah. yeah. And and sure. I'm sure it was presented to him either, you know, you know, either come check this out or something. I can imagine the, the level of uncomfortable, interaction between him and Baker over that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that know. speak, that reeks of golden calf to me. Right. You know, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That I can't even imagine. Yeah. Billy Graham falling into that. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I am interested in Billy Graham. Now that he's dead. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, because I mean, his son is kind of a nightmare on wheels. Okay. Franklin Graham is a total disaster as a human being at yeah. this point, because almost like willfully ignoring the lessons that his father learned about politics. Well, right. And one of the greatest pivots of his career, I did have to read Billy Graham's biography some years ago. And one of the biggest pivots in his career was away from politics because his name was entered into a sullied situation with Nixon. And he said, that's it. I'm not going to do that. And there were many conservative groups in the in the future after that that, that continued to really kind of badger him to, hey, get involved in this, a big issue. Never did he do that. He said, you know, I have one thing to do. It's the gospel. And, and that was it. So that's remarkable, you know. Yeah. 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 And it's almost unthinkable with the fame. I don't know, the pop evangelicalism of our day. I don't even know what to call it. Mm. People that go to my church are not the same as Jerry Falwell Jr. and Franklin Graham, right? They both right. would 
probably identify as evangelicals, but there's like a, a popular, like, like popular culture version of, mm. I don't even know how to, I feel like we need to distinguish those people somehow. We don't yeah. have the language to do it, or at yeah. least I don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah. And so Franklin Graham is much more a child of Jim Baker, I think, <laughs> than his own father in, some, yeah. in many ways, uh, in, yeah. in many of the worst ways, actually. Mm. So yeah, I, I this, uh, this concept though, of leaving behind, or, or of not leaving behind, but diminishing attention to the mind and um, history and liturgy and that sort of thing totally reminds me of my experience growing up in the church, right? Okay. I mean, I'm yeah. utterly unequipped to, uh, I had no ev- or theological training at all growing up. For, uh, mm-hmm. All I knew were the Bible stories, right? And so mm-hmm. that's a very kind of, I mean, biblicism is a, a tenet of evangelicalism, right? Mm-hmm. And so studying the Bible and learning the stories, I, I mean, I know the Bible, I think, fairly well, more than, you know, at least half the people in the world. And, uh, but, uh, knowing, having an understanding of it, I was never trained in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of my upbringing in the church was this personal commitment sort of thing, this enthusiasm. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, this is very enlightening to me. Yeah. And I think you're, you're right to, to see that as, as something that is, is an option within Christianity where it was at, in my upbringing, it was the only option. Like as far as Catholic churches in our community, they are always the smallest because it was, it was a Bible belt. It's the Northern Cincinnati is kind of the Northern edge of the Bible belt in that way where there was a lot of this type of religion where it was, you know, built in uh, the altar call. It was built in testimony. Everything was personalized, yeah. you know, and, 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 and we're, you know, we hype that even today in part, I think because you want folks to take ownership of what, at least in West, Wesley's uh, tradition is this idea of having um, uh, groups that kind of grow in piety or, or having uh, spiritual disciplines. You know, you want it to move on from the revivalism and 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 you can't stay there forever. But you, there is a pull every once in a while. Somebody will corner me and say, well, you know, why don't we do altar calls? Why don't we do? And I think that that I've seen the end result of that being is most folks develop a religion that's based upon their fear of death more than they are about ambition and changing the way they live. You know, yeah. and that's that's got its own problems, you know. So. Yeah, and it's interesting. Wesley gets um, kind of attached to this uh, idea as well in this article. Yeah, um, which I mean, there's a lot of details we can't go into in the article. By all means, read it. Um, yeah, and it, you'll you'll be all the better for it. Um, and you know, you mentioned Cincinnati, which I say is. Kentucky with cool chili. Um. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. Well, you know, if you're there, people make fun of Kentucky. And I always just say, you know, that river isn't as wide as you want to think it is. You know, and plus a lot of the folks, particularly in Dayton, which I live north of the city. I mean, they're they're from Kentucky. I mean, Hillbilly Elegy talks uh, about that. I mean, there there's so much Appalachian totally roots good. that it's it's hardly uh, it's all one big yeah, you know, sell. Well, yeah. I say that growing up in a yeah. a hillbilly ghetto from in Cleveland, from uh, <laughs> That's West from, Virginia, from West Virginia, yeah. right? So yeah, I, it's it's all in love. Yeah, yeah. we're no, sort no. Of opposite ends of the state. Yeah, I appreciate um, it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those are hardworking, good folks. Though. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and so uh, that's a, I think a good sort of introduction or, or summation of the enthusiasm, right? And and it's kind of drawback, and, and I think um, the article. I mean, I don't this. I don't expect this to be a long, drawn out conversation. Yeah. Um, it shows Jim Baker today. I mean, he, he the article really detailed and and 
excitingly narrates the rise and fall of the Baker ministry, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not just so that it's not just because the Bakers themselves are so interesting, right? They're like a, a, a function of some larger force. And so the, the narration of their story, I think really helps us understand other things. Um, but before we get to those other things, I do think that Jim Baker's kind of full circle or return, like whatever his return to television reemergence. Yeah. Yes. It, that's thank you. Um, it, it shows us something about the way our culture has changed. Um, mm-hmm. When you think about the 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 his early ministry, the, the PTO. optimism, yes, the, yeah, the yeah, he was going to build this, and now he's let's let's go get ahead. into a bunker. Yeah, go ahead. And you, make sure, you said you watched some of this. Yeah, right? yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, now his reemergence is all about uh, surviving the apocalypse. He sells these buckets of freeze dried food, <laughs> where you know you can buy all this hard tack to, to to survive an apocalypse. I'm thinking, like, what are you surviving after you come out of the bunker? What are you coming out to? No infrastructure. Nobody you know is alive. But yeah, go ahead. You know, you want to live through that. <laughs> and, and, and ironically, you know, that the entire idea initially, I feel like with with a lot of his ministry was to get people saved, uh, position them for heaven. Now it's this idea of surviving something here on earth uh, that I'm not sure, you know, th- this idea of, of death being something that we should be almost obsessively avoidant of, yeah. which is not not in any way scriptural or not in any way of sound doctrine or, or theology, but yet people, I, I don't know who's buying this. I mean, apparently he's got, uh, you know, some following. He's got this, what is it? 40,000 acre place out in Missouri that, uh, you know, he's hoping to change into some, some bunker or something. I don't, yeah. It's bizarre to me. Just strange. Well, and, and so what I was thinking about this, um, I mean, cause Glenn Beck was doing the same thing. He was like trying to tell everybody to buy gold, you know, a few years ago. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And, and he had this very, I mean, when he was on Fox, I, I haven't really followed him since then. Um, and I only kind of followed him through Stephen Colbert show back then even. And so, yeah. but he had this very, um, uh, sort of apocalyptic imagination on his yeah. show to the conspiracy theory board always led to some sort of, you know, the end of the world is upon us in four years if you elect Obama. Right. And so it's so easy to make <laughs> because you look at the current affairs and, and I don't mean to take a side road here, but I know that, you know, you have uh, you're very well worth well versed in conspiracy, but it's so easy to make those connections with that constellation of future doom and especially if you add the the star of spirituality yes. because you've got a whole book that seems to point to certainly it's been in, it, it, diagnosed by people or, or dissected by people as confirming that yes we're going that way and here's the examples yeah yeah so it's easy i think to jump on that yeah and not to retroactively promote another show but just a couple episodes yeah. ago we did a show about uh the con- confluence between conspiracy and prophecy at times. Oh, interesting. um, And so um, there is a moment in here where uh, I think it's describing something. It's almost foretelling where Mm -hmm. Baker ends up uh, in, in both Catholic and Protestant variations. Enthusiasm knocked established Christianity off the rails. This personal spirituality was often accompanied, Knox wrote, by, quote, a conviction that the second company of our Lord is shortly to be expected, uh, an ecstasy under heading. Um, and mm. so uh, there was this, uh, that's totally my, I mean, I've mentioned this on the show probably a million times. Yeah, on a Wednesday night, yes. we're going to get together, we're going to talk about, I mean, Doug Clark was a guy on TBN who would talk about prophecy, right? Yeah. And so this whole idea, and I mean, this was even on the local level. Obviously, you're, um, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? The late great, how Lindsay, you know, mm-hmm. um, like he was obviously, I mean, a huge living off of this apocalyptic stuff. 
a lot of your TV cre- preachers, creatures, excuse me, <laughs> well, Dr. Slipped. Freud, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, TV sorry. preachers kind of uh, went that road, right? Yeah. And so I think a very astute observation of the kind of correlation mm. between this enthusiastic form of personal religion and this feeling that everything's about to end, right? And so look in the recent last 15 years, 20 years of evangelicalism after the end of um, televangelism as a as something that's taken seriously for God knows why it's still on. I, I, flipped, yeah. I flipped my channels and I, I can't believe I'm, it's still on. I'm always shocked when somebody tells me, oh, I was watching a show on, you know, da, 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 you know, it was, it was like, oh, that's still on. I didn't, yeah. It's, yeah, it's amazing to me. But, you know, so is the Kardashians. So, um, go <laughs> figure. Right. There's lots of room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, yeah. This is our multicultural society we always yeah. wanted, right? Um, You'll never beat the mass finale because stuff like this is on. <laughs> anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but so after the end of, um, TBN being taken seriously, at least, and televangelism being taken seriously. My memory of Christian media then is really dominated by the left behind books, right? Um, All right, yeah, yeah. The, that kind of apocalyptic telling that, you know, we are really close to the end. And, and so, and it was a, a big marketing thing. So, in some ways, Jim Baker's current mode. Uh, maybe there's a disappointment with it. The world has an end. We got through both of Obama's terms and he wasn't the Antichrist <laughs> right. yet. Right. And Gorbachev you know? wasn't either. Yeah. So, Gorbachev, yeah he had the like, mark on his head. Yeah. Right? He had everything. Right. <laughs> it was know? Russian. Yeah, you know, we had a hard time understanding him. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And then Gaddafi, he disappointed <laughs> us. Yeah. Right down the line. Yeah. We just thought it'd be so apparent, you know, and, and I think that narrative has exhausted itself a little. And so now we're just preparing to live in misery for eternity. Right. Um, w- w- there is no redemption at the end of this. Yeah. Um, um, it's just going to be crappy, and we're going to live in a bunker with free dried, freeze dried milk or whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever gym, pancakes or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was like four hundred years of pancakes. <laughs> that's a lot of pancakes. I don't know. So I, I like them, but maybe not that much. It, it, so it's a, through his 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 own television evolution, mm. you can really see where our, our least religious culture has shifted, right? Mm. And maybe it also goes some ways to describing. The fixation that the 81% of white evangelicals, whatever, had on Trump, right? Mm. Um, maybe they're willing to, maybe they have something. I don't, I haven't thought about this at all. And so I'm not speaking authoritatively on this. I'm just pondering. Yeah. I wonder if there's, a, a, safe if, if there's a connection here. So. Yeah. I think it's a safe bet. And also, too, like the, ga- the, the, the article mentioned sort of the gathering forces, like in Jim Baker's case, FCC is sort of after them. And there's all this sort of idea. That so and so is this, this group is is coalescing, you know, to come after our our values and our standards and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and that and they play off that terrifically. You know, yeah. they say well, th- this is the avenue in which you need to go to to be safe from all of that. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I just keep thinking of you know Jesus and disciples as as the illustration of their lives completely being lost on us because there was never this ambition to have the ear or the will of the of the power. Power regimes of the time. I mean, anytime Jesus was in the presence of the government authorities, he was in handcuffs. I mean, yeah. th- this this is lost on us. We think, well, you know, if we align ourselves with government authorities, that's that's our avenue. Or in this Baker's case, let's just you know dig a hole and get at it. You know, <laughs> it's so, two options. Yeah, really, right. right. <laughs> it, it, there's not the opportunity to be part of the redemption of all things and, and living and Jesus coming back and making all things new. There, that's not even the offering, which is where Scripture is. You know. So. Well, and and also there's no. No, like, and, and I think this is be, maybe going back to the lack of litur- liturgical tradition. There's no 
at least willingness, if not ability, to see the image of God in the people that you hate, right? Uh, in, in the other side, we can't really see that that person is also the image of God, right? Right, um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, we've been so like... In our perfected faith, we're robbed of one of the tenets uh, yeah. of Jesus's life, you know, with us to be so in an affinity with sinners that he made religious people mad, yeah. which none of us do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but then even that term, like religious people, right? Mm. Uh, that has been kind of perverted. Like, yes, Jesus like attacked the religious people, but in my you know lifetime, it's that hackneyed phrase oh you know it's all really about relationship not religion yeah again stupid right <laughs> yes yeah. um but but also right out of this this whole really oh, yeah. it's right out of this tradition of religious enthusiasm that yeah. we've been talking about here it's almost like a direct um line from a to b here mm. um yeah and, and i just find that to, well i mean and i guess to explain why i said stupid uh is that i mean it, <laughs> Like I think I used this uh, example in church once. The I, if I if I buy my wife flowers on Valentine's Day, I didn't only buy them because of flower. That Valentine's Day was the occasion. It's like mm-hmm. a liturgical practice of my relationship. You know, of the devotion to my relationship. Right. Right. I didn't actually buy flowers on Valentine's Day. because that's stupid. No, <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah. <laughs> you're never going to get FTD as a sponsor on this thing. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. I Maybe you will. <laughs> yeah. What's Blue Apron? That's what everybody yeah, else yeah, uses. Right. I shouldn't a, have even said it. They should yeah. give me money for saying <laughs> it. Get a box of garbage. Yeah. That's what yeah. 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 You like. Yeah, it's like go back and see our episode on minimalism. So, uh, there you go. That's um, right. But yeah, um, but yeah, the, this idea that um, this, it's relationship or not religion is a dumbed down interpretation of Jesus's relationship to the religious authorities of his day. It's like yeah. a, it's an ill thought out um, theological practice because they don't think about the theology very much because mm-hmm. that's not as important as raising your hands and waving hankies, right? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he came to supply a new way, not completely. I mean, with the elements of the old way. I mean, we we've been looking at that in in, in on Sundays now, uh, you know, in our own sermon series. You know, he, he dismantling is different than abandoning. You know, dismantle to reconstruct with those elements. Yeah. You know, and so uh, that it's almost it's almost cutting off your nose to spite your face in a religious sense. Where we don't want anything to do with religion because it's about relationship. Well, you're a relationship that's you know that's also religious. You know, yes. yeah. So it's. Yeah, yeah. There, you can't disentangle those two things, right? Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. The, the relationship that we have with the divine is a religious one, right? And, and mm-hmm. there's just no way you can strip the religion as strictly man-made practices taped over top of some sort of divine thing, right? Right. Um, and I think that that's rooted, and not to hijack, but I think that a lot of that's rooted in how complicated it is to live in community with other people. Yeah. That, that rub us the wrong way. I mean, you know, so much of what Paul writes about is is this getting along, which is, which is what, uh, you know, the religion that t- is piped into our TVs doesn't doesn't mandate of you. Like if I'm checking in with either Joel Olstein or <laughs> Charles Stanley or somebody like that, um, I'm not demanded to live in shared space with other people. And so I can feel very uh, spiritual and have a cathartic experience in my living room. But you know, what, what rubber meets the road is there to that? Uh, how, how can you prove that other than just like what you're saying? Some, you know, raising your hands type of thing, you know, there, there has to be more to it than that. I think that that's why we need the local church and satellite uplink versus satellite locations is there much difference you know yeah yeah 
Well, that's a perfect transition then. Um, I think where I want to end this is to, you know, maybe step outside of the article because um, he, I mean, he kind of limits his analysis to, uh, and thank you. If you, if you ever listened to this, uh, Mr. Martin Wendell Jones, I really appreciated your article. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was really, great. really yeah. in, in, enlightening. And I'm very enthusiastic about it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, um, uh, I do want to kind of step out of it. And is there a way to think about current celebrity preachers with the help of this article. I mean, we talked, you just mentioned, I think Andy Stanley, did you mention yeah, him yeah, in name? a backhanded yeah, way? I um, didn't mention him as, but yeah, I mean, that's their model is to have satellite locations. Yeah. You know, is that different than a satellite uplink, which spreads the ministry out? Potentially the resources, uh, you know, are garnered with a wider net. Uh, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's very similar, but, uh, you know, now we do like churches, like locations, which is authentic, more, <laughs> how is it more authentic if you're not authentically there? You know, that's, you know, you know, actually you're, you're inauthentically there as a 3d projection, you know, that's, or a 2d projection, whatever. But, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't work, you know what I mean? But, but it feels better than this. Right. And so it doesn't feel like this, but it is this, right? Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I guess I can't. I mean, I'm thinking about the options of just calling it quits with evangelicalism. It's like, I don't know what the other end of that is. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it is this satellite church thing, like it doesn't make any sense to me that that is, I mean, I guess I would rather live with the flawed institution that I've inherited. Right. right. Than try to recreate something that is free of all those flaws. Right. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel like you, you can emerge from a, I, I just don't think that you can emerge yourself from a uh, a false version of Christianity to find the actual true version of Christianity. Mm. Okay, and somehow what you said led me here. I'm, there might be a yeah. a very tangential link here to what from what you said. Yeah, but I feel like people who are drawn to these um, sparkly new authentic uh, churches, like the ones you're talking about. And by leaving the corrupted old rotting buildings that uh, we were, we've been inhabiting all these years, think that they're escaping a false version of Christianity for the true version of Christianity, which mm. is stripped away of all the garbage, right? Mm. And I just don't, I just don't buy that argument. I, I just don't think that that's what Christianity is. I don't think that you can ever go to a point at which Christianity wasn't corrupted by the world that it, it the, the world that it inhabited and the institutions of Christianity mm. um, weren't corrupted by the world that it inhabited. And, and I feel like almost every split, maybe back to the Protestant Reformation, mm. uh, maybe beyond that, uh, has been this like false quest to kind of rid ourselves of the responsibility of living in a flawed institution rather mm-hmm. than just making the most of living in a flawed institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess that's the only resolution I can ethically come up with, with, uh, for maintaining whatever connections I have to evangelicalism. Yeah, that's great. And I'm not going to remember the tweet, but I retweeted somebody who said, who had actually quoted somebody similar to similar to what you're saying is, you know, we, we imagine if we, if we, you know, cut ties with the church, then, then we're going to be free of all hypocrisy or yeah. whatever, which is, which is hypocritical, you know, at its, at its root, you know, I mean, we, we, we still maintain that w- within us. So it's, it's going to be a parallel kind of thing. It's this dualistic thinking that Rohr talks about is not helping us, you know, at all. So, yeah, 
That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, and I think it bears mentioning the article talks, um, you know, at, at near the close, just as surreal as it gets, both with uh, you know, the homosexuality and then and then also uh, eventually Tammy Faye's uh, death uh, to to cancer, and then and then leads to uh, Jim's uh, reemergence. Um, you know, it, it it's a cautionary tale, I think, and and it, it does us well, I think, to return to it. I snarkily said, you know, who's going to even know who these two people are? Well, they're with us today in a way, you know, still, you know, in, in some version. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, and he is like literally. And, and I do think that uh, it seems to me that the the reason for this article, it seems to be an extended book review, perhaps, of um, John Wigger's PTL, The Rise and Fall of Jimmy and Jimmy and excuse me, Jim and Tammy Faye's. Excuse me. Let me rest- let me start this over. Yeah. Uh, PTL: The Rise and Fall of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker's Evangelical Empire. Uh, University of Missouri historian uh, John Wigger. Um, and so it seems to me that there's a book. Yeah, 2017. Out. Yeah, I looked on Amazon. It's 2017 or published date. So yeah, yeah, it's fresh. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and to me, that's like good scholarship. Is to I mean, historical scholarship is to try and find a way to make the past relevant to today. Right. We're not. There's no sort of glory in just knowing what happened for the sake of just knowing what happened. Mm-hmm. It's, there's an ethical function to history, right? And, mm-hmm. and I think that this article provided a real ethical function uh, of its own by giving us an occasion to think about the ways in which we're all sort of um, just on the wrong track, perhaps. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and yeah, and, and this whole idea of, um, uh, like you said, escaping a flawed hypo- hypocritical institution. Um, there's a, a guy, he's got a hashtag. I almost hesitate to name it on air because I feel like it gets way too much attention already. It's called hashtag empty the pews. This guy named Qu- oh, yeah, Christopher yeah. Stroop. Uh, and it's kind of a, a key evangelical cyber meeting space, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, and, and I toyed with the idea of trying to reach out to him and having him on the show because in many ways I agree with his critiques of evangelical culture. Like mm-hmm. I, in most ways I agree with his critiques. I don't agree with his conclusion. And at one point he tweeted out something, some storm, a tweet storm mm-hmm. about how um, any kind of conversion attempt is necessarily like colonialist and, and all of this, you know, yeah. cultural study stuff. Right. Um, and, 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 and it's any attempt to like convert somebody from their existing position to your um, position of Christianity is a violent one. It's an act of violence, basically it's what he was saying. Whatever, yeah. yeah. And, and so without any, like ironic state. He had no like sense of the irony in that his hashtag is an imperative. Right. I'm converting you from Christianity to whatever the heck I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I guess if I ever do ask him, he'll probably say no now. But um, um, and so ultimately I can't get on board with his solution to the problem. Right. Because it is, I mean, there's just no way to escape the hypocrisy of being a human being. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, yeah. and so, yeah. And, and so in the church is the same way. And so, um, well, Rob, uh, do you have any last thoughts? Things that you want to you leave us with here? I, I recommend the article. You know, the the book. Obviously, I, I I didn't get a chance to look at it other than just and just on Amazon. But uh, yeah, I mean, if if you are of an age, I would say you know forties at least, and uh, and came up in in church, uh, having witnessed this spectacle. For one, I would contend that you probably don't know how how bizarre it was, <laughs> and that alone, from what I understand, is worth checking the book out. There's an entertainment value to this easily. For sure. Yeah. yeah. 
and then also, you know, I think I think if it lends to today's world is, you know, in what ways have this have these things morphed into our present manifestations of church and, and creation of, of what we pretend to be not stodgy and, and old school, but 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 really kind of have the same marks. Yeah. So, yeah. In what ways are we like just continuing to repeat the mistakes of the past? Right. It's, right. Um, and so the high watermark of evangel or you know televangelism is over thank god mm. but certainly whatever's going on on twitter <laughs> probably looks exactly the same structurally right yeah. um, and i think there's a uh, a lack of reckoning with the past that this uh, article can help us get over um rob thank you so much this was fun yeah I, thanks I, for having me trying to go to a weekly format here so i might call in your help every now and then uh, yeah. to keep i'm keeping myself busy here use the word help loosely <laughs> loosely yeah. no no rob i yeah. uh, you have no idea how much i learned from you God, and, and, yeah. and i how much i appreciate you so thank you. uh and you were great today if anybody uh listening out there has any questions for us uh by all means if you go to the website sectarian reviewpodcast.com you can find uh all the ways to contact us via email facebook please do go to the facebook page uh like i said i feel like we need to be more active on there for facebook to actually give us our love so uh and uh also i haven't checked the itunes page for a while but go back and leave a nice review on itunes and i'll, I'll read it on air so uh and look for the next couple weeks on the facebook page uh a resolution to our long lost contest that i've totally dropped the ball on for about nine months now so uh it's coming soon though uh Danny Anderson signing off, thanking Rob Osborne for joining me on the Sectarian Review Podcast.